This morning, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Amos. I really enjoy studying the book of Amos because there's so many characteristics which are present in his day that are present in ours. You see, Amos was a prophet during a period of peace and prosperity. I know most of us look at our society today and we think our economy is very poor and very bad. But most of us have plenty of food to eat. We have nice clothes to wear and nice homes to live in. And in many ways we are prospering very well. We also live in a time in which we tend to think about our country being involved in conflicts in a number of different places. But I dare say none of us worried this morning as we got up that some enemy combatant might be in our neighborhood, in our area, where we might have to fear for our lives. We have enjoyed a number of years of both peace and prosperity. But Amos also lived at a time when which service to God had become a mere ritual. And for many of them, it was nothing more than just plain old hypocrisy. Yes, they would offer their devotions to God, but had little meaning in their lives. Yes, they would say that we are God's people whom he brought up out of the land of Egypt. Brother Bruce read that just a few moments ago. But they also did not have problems with people who worshipped the god Baal. They did not have problems with idolatry. In fact, among the children of Israel, the northern kingdom, idolatry was beginning to supplant the worship of the true God. As you go further, God chose this humble man from the south. A man of country means. A tender of sheep. A sheep breeder. And a tender of the herds. He was a man who tended sycamore fruit. Just your average hard-working daily man, God chose him to bring a message to them. When you get to Amos chapter 3, you'll find there are three things that he wants them to do. He wants them to walk with God. But how can you walk with God? You've got to first have agreement. Then you've got to have revelation. And you've got to have knowledge. Those are the three things that he will set forth in chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, let's begin exploring this as we begin with verse 3 with the idea of agreement. Stated very simply, here's what Amos says. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? For a moment, think about the idea of people just walking together. People who are going to go on a trip, they're going to go on a journey. We would say they're, they're going on a trip together. But in biblical times, you walked. So people agree to walk together. They meet together. They have their plans. Well, there's two possibilities that are presented here in this. 
Number one, it could be that Amos is describing he and God walking together. God provides the message and Amos walks with God and simply says what God says to be said. That's a possibility. More likely, he's referring to God and Israel walking together. You see, God had delivered these people. He wanted them to be his people. He wanted them to walk together, but the fact is they were not. You know, as you explore the Bible, you'll find people who walk together. One of the first men that are mentioned in the Bible as being sound and devoted and loving and faithful to God is Enoch. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 24 Moses writes, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The writer of the book of Hebrews expands upon this, reveals a little bit more when he says in Hebrews 11 verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And he was not found, for God had taken him, for before he was taken... He had this testimony that he pleased God. Now I understand what it means to walk with God. It means the the things I say, the things I do, the way I live my life, they please God. And so if God and I walk together, I am pleasing him as I live my daily life. It doesn't take very much longer as you go through and you find Noah also walked with God. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And again, the Hebrew writer expands, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. I learned that people who walk with God walk by faith. And do you remember 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. If we're going to walk with God, we walk with what God says. We walk in the direction that God speaks. Sometimes the prophets were able to capture these ideas in a very short way and yet so powerful. The prophet Amos said in Micah 6 and verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants out of us, to walk with Him. But we've got to be agreed with God in order to do that. So... In order to walk with God daily, one must be in agreement with God. But what does that mean? Let's look at Micah 4, verse 5. For all people each in the name of, walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Everybody walks with his own God. You think about the people in this world today who believe in the prophet Muhammad. Not a real prophet, a false prophet. You think about their 
views on life. They are guided, they are directed by this book called the Koran. And those who walk by and live by that book are not as has been presented to us a peaceful people, but for the most part are an antagonistic people. Because they believe that Islam should conquer the whole world. There's a tension there. These people walk by the name of their God. There are people in other religions. And even humanism is a religion. They walk by it. They live by whatever makes man happy. But if you'll notice, Micah says, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You see, there's got to be agreement there. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1, Paul puts it like this. Finally then, brethren, we urge you or urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. That takes me back to Enoch. He walked with God and he pleased God. Colossians 1 and verse 10, Paul says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. You begin to understand that God has a call he has a plan. He has a way. And if you and I are going to walk with him, we're going to have to agree with what God says. So the word agree indicates an appointment to walk or to travel together. We've got to agree on the route and we have to agree on the destination. Now folks, here's the reality of what Amos was trying to say. Here is the place where God wants you to go. There is a way in which you get there. And if you want to make it there, you've got to follow the route that God has set for you to end up where God wants you to be. It's just exactly like Jesus said in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Do you understand what Jesus was saying? Where I'm going, you know. How to get there, you know. So you begin with agreement with God. We're going to follow this route. And we're going to arrive at this destination. The second thing that you see in Amos chapter 3 is revelation. Look with me at verses 7 and 8. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants the prophets. The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Do you see the message that is contained in this. The fact that God has revealed 
what he wants through these people called the prophets. That's the reason why he sent Amos. That's the reason why he sent Isaiah. That's the reason why he sent Jeremiah. God wanted to reveal the way unto man. If one wants to walk with God, he will have to know what God thinks. He has to know God's directions. And the prophets were given to reveal the will of God. So God has spoken so we can walk together. But you have to understand that when God has spoken and God has revealed Himself, it's contained in the words of these prophets. Listen to Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Everything that the prophets gave us was to guide, to show God has His own things that He keeps to Himself, His own secrets, but God has revealed to us what He wants us to do. In John 15, verse 15, Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all the things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You see, just like friends walk together, they know what one another is thinking. They, they have similar goals. They have similar plans together. Well, God has revealed to us that. But now the question is, how does God reveal that to us? So many people are wandering about in life and saying, God's told me this. God has told me that. Is it objective? Can you and I know what God wants us to do and how to walk with Him? Well, listen to Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways in time past spoke to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the worlds. Those great people under the Old Testament times, God sent prophets to them. Well, what about those of us who are living today? In the New Testament time, God has spoken to us through His Son. Everything that you and I need to know to get to heaven is revealed in Jesus Christ and in those who prophesied, if you will, or repeated His message. I mentioned to you John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Verse 6 says... I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into the Father except through me. When Paul wrote books like 1 Corinthians, he said in chapter 14 and verse 37, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So you and I, as we read our New Testament, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those gospel accounts. The book of Acts, going all the way through the book of Revelation, being the accounts of various writers like Paul and John and Peter and James, where they revealed the message from God. That's how you and I know. Which leads me to the third aspect that is found in the book of Amos chapter 3. I want you to notice with me verse 10. For they do not know to do right, says the Lord. Now if you will notice how this message has built that Amos has delivered. He begins first of all by saying there has to be agreement between God and man. God has revealed himself to man to say here is the direction you need to go. But now the third aspect is, do I know that? If one lacks knowledge, there must be a reason. If God has told me what I need to do and I don't know it, why don't I know it? Well, it's very possible that I've not been taught. It's very possible that I don't know because no one has told me the message. Let me illustrate this to you. In Acts 16, in verse 30, Paul and Silas are imprisoned in a jail in the city of Philippi. And there are people there around them who evidently do not know God's way. And there is a great earthquake. And all the prisoners are running out. And the Philippian jailer says, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a genuine question, folks. What must I do to be saved? I don't know. He wasn't the only one. You go back to Acts chapter 8. There's a man from Ethiopia. In fact, he's a treasurer under Candace the queen. And here is this man, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he is not understanding. He doesn't have knowledge. He says, of whom does this prophet speak? Himself or some other man? I really don't know. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I except someone guides me? There are people in this world who do not know to do what is right. Their minds are not understanding. Or the possibility is they've not listened. They've not listened. If you go to Acts chapter 2, you're presented with people who had crucified Christ. It says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have these people been taught? Yes. 
Had these people listened? No. So there's a possibility that if a person does not know, either they've not been taught, they've not learned, and they've, or they've not listened. Well, in this case, in Amos 3, it's not because they've not been taught. They have been. Look at Amos chapter 3. Let's look at verses 4 through 6 and verse 8. He's going to use some figurative language, but it's real colorful. Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has caught nothing? Will a bird fall into a snare on the earth where there is no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it has caught nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is a calamity in the city, will not the Lord have done it? Now stop at verses 4 through 6 for just a moment. He's asking a series of questions. You hear a lion roaring. What does that tell you? He's found a prey. You see a trap flipped. Do you want to call it flipped? Sprung? Do you know that something has sprung that trap? He says if there's some punishment... Did not the Lord do it? Verse 8. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Amos has delivered the message. He's roared like a lion. They're not listening. It's because they have closed their ears from hearing. Notice with me chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread, and there prophesy. But never again prophesy at Bethel. For it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the royal residence. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. The Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not spout against the house of Isaac. You see, they had told him, don't prophesy here. We don't want to hear it. You go somewhere else. Don't prophesy in Israel. Go back to Judah. We don't want you here in Bethel. This is the king's sanctuary. We're satisfied just like we are. Oh, now, now we're really starting to understand the crux of the problem. Two people can't walk together unless they're agreed. Where they're going to go, the direction they're going to go, and the destination in which they intend to arrive. Is the problem God has not spoken? No, God has revealed Himself. God has revealed Himself through the prophets. God has revealed Himself through His Son. 
But the people don't have knowledge. They don't know what they ought to do. Why don't they know? Is it because they have not heard? Oh no, they've heard. What's the problem? They don't want to listen. How often do men today avoid knowing God's will? Listen to Romans 1 and verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. They don't like to keep God in their knowledge. They cast God out. Folks, that is the United States in 2014. We don't want to acknowledge God. We want to take God out of our public life, the political life, the educational life, and think that you can have some sort of morality without God. You cannot do it. God must be at the foundation. Job pondered this idea. Listen to Job 21, 7 through 15, and then we're going to bring it together. Why did the wicked live and become old? Yes, become mighty in power. Their descendants are established with them in their sight and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull breeds without failure. Their cow calves without miscarriage. They send forth their little ones like a flock and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and harp and rejoice to the sound of the flute. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Yet they say to God, depart from us, for we do not desire the knowledge of your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we have if we pray to him? Do you see the way people are thinking? It doesn't do any good. Why should we pray? Why should we do what is right? Listen to Paul as he writes Timothy. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers. And they will turn away their ears from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. They don't want to listen. Our time is not that different from theirs. You know, I've always been amazed when people come to me and say, well, the Bible's not relevant to our age. And I say, are you kidding me? It's just the same. It's exactly the same. We live in a world where people have choices. Choose God or choose some other way. But you see, God had a special relationship with them. Would you listen to verse 2 again and then we're going to sing the invitation song. God said, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. God's message is, you know better. You know better. You've been a special people to me. There's not a one of us here this morning 
that don't know better. Some may be here and have never yet become a New Testament Christian. You become a Christian when you have faith in Jesus Christ. When you repent of your sins and you confess your faith in Him and are baptized, those have all been read, with the exception of confession, in the passages this morning. You know better if you're a Christian. You have been enlightened. You've learned the truth. Well, what is the call? The call to the children of Israel under Amos' time was to return to God. Same message today. If you need to respond to the invitation, would you come as together we stand and sing?